This week, we're going to be looking at this week for the next eight days. We're going to be looking at the chosen. And it's really just a way for me to start engaging with people. Um, if some of you, most of you probably saw the news that I quit my job and I'm going to be doing a lot of freelancing and solopreneuring and all that good stuff. So this is just kind of the first adventure. So thanks for, for joining us for this. Um, I want to start with prayer. Some people are still gathering because we did start a little early. But I want to say before we pray, I do want to say, Feel free to comment, to ask questions, to give feedback. We're just going to be looking at the first episode of The Chosen. Um, I'm thinking it's going to last about 20 minutes, 20 or 30 minutes. That's my goal. Maybe a little even, maybe a little less. Um, but we're just going to chat. And so if you have questions or you want to say something about the first episode, feel free to put that in the chat and I will answer questions. I will look for your feedback and your comments and your thoughts as well. So I'm going to start with prayer and then we're going to jump into kind of an overview of how I view the chosen and then looking at the first episode. So in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end, amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. So I love the chosen and I know... Um, some people have varying opinions of it. It's kind of taken the world by storm since it went public, um, really around COVID. It went, it was out before COVID, but during COVID, people started watching it. It was free. They made it free. Um, and so now it's kind of the talk. Um, and some Catholics don't like it. Some Catholics, it's just not their cup of tea. But I thought it would be interesting as a Catholic to kind of speak about what I like about it, what I found helpful in my own prayer life, but then also kind of to delve into some of the episodes. So this isn't going to just be Joni talking about her opinions, Joni talking about what she thinks, but um, also kind of really looking at the episodes and some of the choices that Dallas and the other writers made, I think are intriguing. And some of the things that I found helpful for prayer. So it's not just a conversation about my thoughts. It's also going to really delve into some of the episodes and to look at what maybe you didn't notice, I've seen each episode about six times now. And I'll admit, there's I was lost the first time. So some of you, well, for the first two episodes, some of you may have only watched it once, or some of you may still be watching it. And that's great. Um, if you've only watched the first episode, you may find yourself a little lost. I was really lost the first episode. But I think that's okay. So I think it's important for us to approach, like to realize what the what Dallas is trying to do with The Chosen. Um, first of all, the first two episodes are not scriptural. And so we can get very hung up with trying to find the stuff in scripture and trying to find what his inspiration was. Um, and I think a lot of Christians who watched the first episode, even the first two episodes, were frustrated because they were like, we don't know these stories. This didn't really happen. And so I think first we go to the chosen when we approach it as Lexio Divina. So what do I mean by that? So the Catholic way of approaching scripture, Lexio Divina, divine reading, um, it's a Catholic way of praying with the scriptures. And Lexio Divina is a beautiful monastic practice where we read the scriptures slowly and we really allow God to speak to us through Lexio Divina and, and through his word. And sometimes our minds can wander into what did that look like? What did that smell like? What did that feel like as a person in the scene? So um, I'm hoping to do a whole thing on Lexio Divina at some point in this new adventure because Lexio Divina has really helped me in my prayer life. But just to kind of to say is I 
uh, repeatedly I'll watch this, these episodes and realize that Dallas really prayed with these stories. And so some of the stuff we're getting is not scriptural. Some of it is figments of Dallas's imagination. That being said, I think it's figments of an imagination of a man who prays and who prays with the scriptures. So the scriptures are not just read um, word for word and that's all there is, but that he allows his imagination to really um, to go forward with these with these stories. And he allows himself to put himself in the shoes of these apostles and of these people. So I think that's an important thing to recognize. The first two episodes of The Chosen are not scriptural. That being said, they're not coming out of the blue. Like Dallas really is a man of scripture and prayed with these stories. So I think we just don't get frustrated when the first two episodes seem foreign to you. Um, I've heard people say like, I'm so excited. I get to learn more about Simon or I get to learn more about Matthew. So we want to remember this is Dallas's and the other writers approach to these men. Um, it's not necessarily historical fact and it's not inspired by, by God. Some of it is obviously because he's quoting scripture. So what these, these episodes really do is set the stage. And Dallas said, um, when he introduced one of the, the first episode and one of the times he introduced the first episode, he said, if you don't go through some of the struggles with them, then the victories don't mean as much. They're not as impactful. If you don't identify with their questions, you're not going to identify with the answer. If you don't identify with and connect with their problems, you're not going to identify with the solution. So watch the episode like you would watch an episode of any of the show of, of any other show. Okay. So what I think he's obviously saying is that he needs to set these background stories, not because they necessarily happened, but because it's one prayerful approach to what were these people going through when Jesus called them. So he's going to set up these problems. So we understand the impact of Jesus's call and Jesus's answer to their problem. So I love that. If you don't go through some of the struggles with them, then the victories don't mean as much. Um, and certainly in this first season, you have a lot of great victories that will come because we've gotten to know these characters. Okay. Um, so yes, Christina, she says, you know, she was skeptical because she thought it was fan fiction. And I think in some ways, um, I think that's a great, I think that's a great, um, comparison, you know, like, is it fan fiction of the gospels? And I think that, I think a lot of Christian approaches are, which is why I was also really excited that The Chosen was so well done. Um, you know, and I'll say this a couple times, you know, throughout the week, but I would often hold my breath before an episode and be like, okay, he's going to ruin it, right? It's going to be cheesy or it's going to be anti-Catholic. And I still hold my breath before each new episode. But, um, but Christina, I totally get that. Like that idea that is this going to be like fan fiction? And I really am impressed with Dallas's prayer with the fruits of Dallas's prayer um, that I think was Matthew autistic. We don't know, right? There's no historical context for Matthew being autistic, but Dallas used prayed with these scriptures and used his own personal experience to say, what if he was, why not show him being autistic because God calls everyone. Okay. So I think we have to kind of set aside some of our preconceived notions and just enter into the series. Like he says, watch the first episode like you'd watch the episode of any other show. Okay. The other thing before we jump into the first episode, particularly, I want to speak about is who are the chosen? So, you know, I think this idea was that 
the um, the show is about the chosen one, right? The anointed one, the anointed one, the Messiah, right? That's who the Christ is, right? That's what Christ means, the anointed one. So everyone talked about how the chosen is about Jesus. So why doesn't Jesus show up in the first episode until the last three minutes, right? If you've seen the first episode, you were probably sitting there just like me saying, okay, I thought this was about Jesus. And who are these guys wrestling? I'm so confused, right? I was really confused during the first episode, especially since if you watch it on YouTube versus on the app on your smart TV, it's really dark. And I was like, what is happening? Who are these people? I don't know what's going on, right? Um, The Chosen, yes. Is it a show about Jesus? Absolutely, right? It's a show about the chosen one. It's It's a show about the anointed, the Christ. You know what else it's about? It's about the chosen people. It's about Christ coming for the chosen people, the Jewish people. It's also about his chosen apostles, right? We see in the first season four particular calls of Christ calling these people, choosing these people, calling them, right? So we're going to follow particular chosen people, chosen disciples. But I think we also can't ignore the fact that it's about us, that it's about this this chosen people of us and that God isn't just calling Simon and Mary and Matthew, but he's calling you and me. And I think that's what's so powerful about The Chosen is to watch it and don't watch it passively. Don't watch it like you would watch any other TV show, but put yourself in those shoes. Put yourself, what would it be like to be Mary. And we'll talk about Mary, especially in this episode. What would it be like to be Matthew? Am I Matthew? Am I Simon? Am I Mary? Absolutely. I think there's somebody, there's some character in this series for you to identify with. There's some attributes of characters for you to identify with. And so I don't think we need to just look at um, the chosen passively, but actively. Um. Yes. Where is Jesus? I love this. Yes. You're absolutely right, Christina. That The first episode is 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 deceiving in that you're like, where's this show about Jesus? Where's Jesus? Um, and I do agree that Chosen would be a fantastic retreat. Um, and if anybody needs a Chosen retreat, I'm happy to come to your school, to your parish and do a Chosen retreat. So Kathy, I'm glad you figured out how to comment. Again, the comments are there. Um, feel free to, to leave comments. I want this to be a conversation and there's only so much we can do with this to make it a conversation. So I am watching your comments if you have questions, anything. Okay, so let's jump into season one, episode one. So one thing I love about most episodes in season one are that they begin with a flashback or a scene from the Old Testament. And I love that. Why? Because I think it mimics the Catholic liturgy, right? God is doing something in the Old and New Testament, right? He's preparing his people in for in the New Testament with the Old Testament, right? So he's preparing those people in the Old Testament for the New Testament. And the New Testament is, is hidden in the old, right? Augustine, right? The old is revealed in the new. And so Dallas brings this out, right? So sometimes it's almost as if the chosen has a first, a first reading from the Old Testament and then the gospel. And I love that. So in this first episode, we just have a flashback from Mary Magdalene's life. And so we have this flashback. And one thing I want to say about the flashback, because we're not going to go minute by minute through this episode. That would take us forever because the episodes are, you know, an hour long. 
for the most part, not always. Um, that's also what I love about Dallas is that he doesn't play by the rules. So the episodes are not strictly an hour long, right? So I think he can do a lot more when he's not constrained by time. So if he wants a half an hour episode, he makes a half an hour episode, right? If he needs to edit stuff and it's short, it's short, right? And I love that. Anyway, so we're not going to go minute by minute. But one thing I did want to point out was um, when when little Mary Magdalene and is with her dad, they're looking up at the sky and he calls attention to the big new star. And I don't think we can we can ignore the fact that that would be the star of Bethlehem. And so this parallel already um, that Jesus is here, right? Jesus is coming. They just don't know. And to think what it would have been like to live at a time when, um, you know, when you didn't know Jesus was in your midst, but he was, right? For 30 years, he lived amongst these people and they didn't even know it, right? So I love the big new star, which would be the star of Bethlehem, okay? So we have Mary. Mary would have been from the town of Magdala, um, Migdal. Uh, so you can still go to the ruins of Magdala today. They're doing excavations on the Sea of Galilee. So I've been to Magdala. It's really beautiful. There's a beautiful church there now. Um, and you can go to Magdala. So Magdala was the largest urban center on the western coast of the Sea of Galilee. So Capernaum's on the northwest, and then we have Magdala, um, until the founding of Tiberias. So Tiberias, which again is still there today, Tiberias would have been post, uh, would have been like 19, 1980. So so Magdala was a, was a thriving, uh, thriving place. And um, it's interesting, Josephus was also from Magdala. So Josephus is the Roman historian. He was actually governor for a while of Magdala. Um, kind of controversial because he was Jewish and then later allied himself with the Romans. Um, but after the city fell, so Vespasian came and um, the city was full. Magdala was full of revolutionaries. So this is after the time of Christ, 67 AD. Magdala is full of revolutionaries and Vespasian comes and wipes out the city. Um, and there hasn't been a city in that area, in that place ever since. So, but Mary Magdalene would have been from Magdala. Um, and so we have kind of this little Mary emphasis before then we see Mary grown. So Mary's grown up. Mary's gone through a lot. We, we just have hints of it in season one of what she's been through. Um, but I think we'll talk about Mary in a second. That's kind of setting the stage for what Christ has come to enter into, into her life. Okay. Um, again, uh, episode one is really just setting the stage. So from the very beginning, we have the tension between the Romans and the Jewish people. Okay. So we see that at the very beginning with Nicodemus meeting Quintus on the road, right? Um, the tension of the Jewish people are living essentially as an occupied people on their land. So they're living in the chosen, they're living in the chosen, um, you know, they're living in the Holy land. They're living in the land that God gave them, but with the occupied force of the Romans to which they have to pay taxes. Right. Um, and so that's going to play he very heavily into this, um, both in season one and for the rest of the seasons, obviously we know the story that there's this Roman occupation and this tension. In episode one introduces us to the four major characters of this first season of season one. So we meet each of these characters in this first episode, Nicodemus, Matthew, Peter, and Mary. Um, just briefly, I'm going to talk about each of these and then they each kind of get their own episode. So we'll talk more about them all uh, later in the week. Nicodemus, obviously a leading Pharisee, and we see very quickly Nicodemus's wisdom, right? You see Nicodemus again and again, his wisdom in his teaching. He's very, he's obviously very um, influenced by Jewish thought. 
He is a leading teacher of the Jews. So even when he's teaching, you hear these things like you're defiled by what goes in you, right? So that the filmmakers perfect per, uh, purposely wrote these things that Christ is going to contradict later, right? You're not defiled by eating fish caught on Sabbath on the Sabbath. Um, and so you have kind of Nicodemus's wisdom. But in this first episode, we see wis- uh, Nicodemus's openness to kind of something different, which the other Pharisees aren't going to be as open to, as we'll see in this season, right? Um, I love his openness to being challenged by the Lord, to being challenged by Adonai. Um, his wife in this episode gives that really um, beautiful, she, they call him teacher of teachers, which is really important because who's the rabbi of rabbis, who's the teacher of teachers, Jesus, right? And Nicodemus will call Christ rabbi in John three, right? Um, But she says, teacher of teachers, you are the teacher of Israel. You do not have questions, you have answers. And there's that beautiful foreshadowing that Nicodemus is gonna have lots of questions in John three when he talks to Christ, right? And so there's that that beautiful foreshadowing. so yes, the teacher of teachers is going to have lots of questions. We also meet Matthew in this episode, obviously. Matthew clearly um, has been rejected by his people. Why? Because he's betrayed his people. He's seen as someone who's betrayed the Jewish people by aligning himself with the Romans. So we're beginning to see um, Matthew's um, kind of autistic tendencies that we'll talk about more in the next uh, tomorrow. And you see Matthew's clean shaven. You see he dresses like a Roman. And you you can kind of see Matthew is set apart, right? He's set apart as um, almost a quasi-Roman. We meet Simon. First time we meet Simon, he's in a fight. Um, and this is when I was like, who are these people? <laughs> um, so we meet Simon and Andrew. And I think from the very beginning, the film, the Dallas and the writers are showing us that Simon's passionate. Simon is, is um a fireball. He is headstrong. So we see immediately kind of Simon's personality. And I, Simon is a big personality in season one and in season two. And I love this because we see Simon's personality so clearly in the gospels. Um, you know, a lot of the apostles, we don't really know that much about them in the gospels. They're not mentioned much in the gospels, but Simon has a personality that really shines forth in the gospels. Um, one thing I heard Dallas talk about with the apostles was he really wanted to showcase each of the apostles. He said, so often we hear about Peter, Judas, and the other 10. And one thing he really wanted to do was let's look at the backstory of these other guys, which I think he's done a really beautiful job of, especially in season two. So, but we often talk about Peter, but I love, love, love the way he depicts Peter in this series. So if you don't, say something, put it in the comments. Um, I would love to kind of talk about some of these characters. I think it's hilarious that Eden in this episode, Eden, his wife calls him stoic. Um, He is so far not stoic. (laughs) I was like stoic. Um, I mean, he's passionate, but he's certainly, um, yeah, he's certainly pretty headstrong. Um, I love it, Christina. He's a knucklehead. So I think he is a bit of a knucklehead, but out of love, if that makes sense. I think a lot of Peter's decisions come out of this passionate love, which it's the same guy that cut an ear off in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? Um, There's this passionate love, this care, this protection, and he doesn't really know how to funnel it sometimes, right? He doesn't really know. He acts before he thinks. 
And we see it. We see it in Matthew 16 when he tells Christ he's not going to go to the crucifixion. Um, you know, so I think it's um, he's just kind of this passionate character. And and I think you're going to you're going to like him, Christina, farther into the into the episodes. Um, so he makes this deal with the Romans. Um, so I really love that um, we see the apostles as normal people with normal problems. They have normal relationships. And I love that about this depiction of the chosen that comes up again and again. So Peter has this problem with his taxes. He makes his deal with the Romans. So he's going to spy on merchants who are, who are fishing on Shabbat and turn them into the Romans. Um, again, the first time I watched this season, I didn't understand. I was like, what is going on? So that's kind of the backstory. He is spying on merchant vessels who are going to be fishing on Shabbat. Uh, never mind the fact that he fished on Shabbat, um, but he's going to get out of it. He's going to get out of getting in trouble by spying. And he thinks this is, you know, okay because he needs to feed his family. Um, so he makes this deal with the Romans and kind of at a last ditch effort when Andrew can't pay his taxes. So would that have happened? I mean, there's a lot of, of criticism out there. I think that this wouldn't have happened. Would this have happened? Probably not. You know, like, would he have made a deal with the Romans? Okay, Kathy, you were confused too. I was really confused. So yeah, so that's what Peter's going to do is he's going to gonna spy for the Romans. Um, was Did this happen? It probably didn't happen. Could this have happened? Maybe. The reason the writers wrote it this way is because it highlights the desperation. I think it shows us what the Jews were suffering under Roman rule. The taxes were high. And sometimes they were looking at losing their property, right? They were looking at losing their, their ship or their fishing boat, um, losing their home, going to jail. So um, I think it just highlights the desperation of the occupation. And it also sh sets up the events that are to come. So if you haven't seen the rest of the season, hold on. This all makes sense. Would Peter have done this? I don't know. But I also like imagining that the apostles were kind of screw ups um, when the Lord called him. Like, it's okay. The Lord calls screw ups. And that should give us all consolation because um, we're screw ups. Um, I love this line. Um, so Peter goes, you know, when Andrew goes to pay his, his taxes, Peter's like, oh, I have this deal with Quintus. And I was like, did I miss something? And I think we're really in Andrew's shoes. Andrew's like, did I miss something? And so then Peter takes him to the hammer, which is the bar and tells him the whole backstory. So we're really in the shoes of Andrew being like, did I miss something? Um, so I love when Andrew, he's telling Andrew the story at, at the bar and he says he didn't run. And Andrew says, good idea, considering how you run. Now, this is just a brother insult, right? But if you know scripture, you remember after the resurrection, John and Peter run to the tomb and John in his gospel specifically says that he got there first. And so I think it's a little bow from the writers to think about this time where Peter didn't run as fast as John to the tomb. Good idea considering how you run. This show is full of little foreshadowings, sometimes really fun foreshadowings that um, don't, you know, aren't a big deal, but are like, ha, I caught it right? That's funny because I know scripture. Okay. Let's get into the meat of the episode, which is Mary Magdalene. So each of the four characters I mentioned all have an episode and this is Mary Magdalene's episode. We don't really know that much about Mary Magdalene from scripture. Um, we have a few verses that mention her and, um, oh, Christina, you're right. The blind man who asked Matthew if he was the Messiah. Yes. 
Um, I have a feeling we're going to see him again. I hope we're going to see him again in season two or three. Um, so we have Mary Magdalene and we don't know that much about Mary Magdalene, which is interesting. So Mary Magdalene is known as the apostle to the apostles in Catholic tradition, the apostle to the apostles. Why? Because she is the one that announces the resurrection to the apostles. She's a really big deal. We celebrate her feast in the church as if she was an apostle. But when you look at scripture, we don't know that much about her. We have her in the resurrection, uh, post-resurrection um, narratives. So we have her appearances with seeing Christ at the tomb. But other than that, she just appears a little bit of uh, in a little couple verses about the women who followed Christ. So in Luke 8, verses 1 through 3, we have a list of, along with the 12, there were women who followed Christ, who supported Christ out of their, their, their goodness. Um, accompanying him were the 12 and some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. That's all we know about her other than at the resurrection, right? She's at the foot of the cross. She's bearing Jesus. She, you know, but we don't know that much about her. So this is a backstory based on some tradition, some mystics. So Dallas actually uses a lot of, of Catholic mystics, whether he knows it or not. Um, there's a lot in there that we, we've, you know, saints have prayed about. Um, he gives her the name Lilith. So at the beginning, you might not have realized it was Mary Magdalene. We had Mary Magdalene at the very beginning. Her dad called her Mary. She was from Magdala. But then we have her waking up, right? Um, and so hopefully you made that connection, but you might not have if, it, if it, you know, you're watching it for the first time and trying to figure out what's happening. So um, she's called Lilith. Notice the bartender always calls her Lily. Um, Lilith, we, it, it's, there's too much to get into right now, but Lilith would have been in um, ancient culture a name for a female demon. So this is reminding us that she is possessed. So we see Nicodemus going, trying to exorcise her. The Pharisees would not have gone to the red quarter. Um, we're going to talk a lot about the Pharisees tomorrow, but um, the Pharisees would not have gone to the red quarter because it would have made them unclean. And we have an emphasis of this when they pan by and you see a pig, right? Pigs were unclean. So the Pharisees were out of their usual element. They would not have gone, but he goes and he calls it a task. So there's all this stuff setting up Jesus very different from the Pharisees, right? Um, so this is the opposite of what Jesus would do, right? The Pharisees are like, okay, we'll go. It's a task. Um, we'll go because the Romans asked us to. We're not used to this. We don't want to go, right? And Nicodemus is unable to exorcise the demons from Mary. So I love, and this is just to kind of wrap up, we're, we're um, I'm going to try to keep these at about 30 minutes, but um, I love Mary's story. Um, I love the character of Mary Magdalene in this series, because I think so many of us can identify. Now, you might be thinking, I'm not possessed by seven demons. Um, I think there's an insinuation that Mary was raped. Um, or had some sexual wound. Um, maybe you're thinking, I can't identify with that. But I think we all carry wounds. And I think we all have these temptations at times that Mary had of vulnerability, of aloneness, of isolation. You know, put yourself in Mary's shoes. 
if she was possessed, if she had had a terrible, like some terrible experience in her background, she's feeling isolation. She's feeling despair. She's trying to fill that void, whether it's with men or with drink. Um, and she begins to think there's nothing left for her, right? She tries to pray. She tries to pray that verse from Isaiah um, and she can't, right? Um, she ends up ripping up the scroll, right? And then she, when she gives the doll to the bartender, she's like, it used to be, it used to have something special, right? Um, how does the devil tempt us? You know, maybe you're thinking I'm not possessed, but the devil tempts you in some way by, by thinking your wounds are so great they can never be overcome. And so Mary has that, that suicidal temptation. Um, she has something preventing her from living a full life. And Jesus wants to heal us just as much as he wanted to heal Mary. Um, you know, he wants to heal everybody. It's easiest to see with Mary what Jesus has come to heal. But Jesus has come to heal Simon. He's come to heal Nicodemus. He's come to heal Matthew. And so we can see it with Mary because there's this kind of dramatic moment. But he does it with all, all of us, right? He's come to heal us. So I love this scene. Um and it really makes the wait of all 45 minutes waiting for Jesus worth it, right? So the Pharisees didn't want to go to Mary. He didn't want to go in the red quarter. And yet we have Jesus coming for Mary in a bar, right? He comes for her. And when she tries to flee, he follows her. He follows her. And he calls her by name. Reminiscent of in John's gospel after the resurrection, right? After the resurrection, Mary is distraught. Mary is, is upset. And Jesus calls her by name. And that's how she knows him. And that's how she knows him here, right? He calls her by name. And he quotes Isaiah 43. So your homework tonight is to pray with Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, especially one to four, but really... It's, it's just beautiful, um, even into 18 and 19. Um, now, thus says the Lord who created you, Jacob, and formed you, Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Through rivers, you shall not be swept away. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, nor will flames consume you. For I, the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, I give Egypt as ransom for you, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. Fear not, for I am with you. It's, it's stunning, because sometimes I think we forget the Lord loves us. We forget the Lord delights in us. We forget the Lord is waiting for us, is longing for us. You know, today at Mass, the, the responsorial psalm was, the Lord takes delight in his people. It's not that the Lord puts up with us. It's not that the Lord, okay, I have to, you know, put up with these crazy people or I created these people and now I have this mess on my hands or it's not like he regrets you. He delights in you. He loves you. And that's what I love. So pray with Isaiah 43. I've called you by name and you are mine. I will be with you. And so what her, her father had given her this verse to pray with, now Christ calls her with that same verse. 
So we have the figure of Mary Magdalene, and I think we're going to see her again in season two, kind of still grappling with this call, with this conversion, because conversions aren't one and done. Um, but in this episode, I think take heart that we are all there's all there's Mary Magdalene in all of us. There's some wound. There's some past experience. There's some doubt. There's some isolation. There's some difficulty in prayer. And the Lord wants to come and call us by name because we are chosen. Remember, the show isn't just about something that happened 2000 years ago. This show is about your call and your role and your your place in the story. So I've been scrolling. I don't think there are any questions. Um, if there are any questions, hurry up and put them in now because I think we're going to wrap up. Um, but I am going to put in um, the chat if I don't mess this up. Um, so I, as I've mentioned um, elsewhere, I have, I'm putting my a little Patreon link. Um, so I have quit my job. I'm going to be writing and speaking full time. Um, you know, Christine and I were talking just earlier on this chat about a chosen retreat. I would love to come give a chosen retreat. Uh, I go out to parishes. I go out to schools. I go out to um, dioceses and give talks. I'll do virtual talks. Um, but that's my link to Patreon if you want to support my work. Eventually, this setup will be more, you know, more precise and more, you know, fancier. But right now, this is what we got. Um, I do not know Dallas. Um, I wish I did. I actually sent Dallas a direct message one time on Instagram, told him if he needed a Catholic to help him, I wanted to help him, but he never wrote me back. So if anybody out there knows Dallas, um, I do not know him, but I've listened to a lot of his interviews and I've read a lot about him because his father actually was part of the left behind series, which is interesting. So I've been kind of holding my breath, waiting for something that's anti-Catholic but there's been nothing anti-Catholic. Um, we'll talk about, we can talk about some stuff that I have, would have quibble with, but um, I've been very impressed. I'm very impressed with Dallas. So I've been reading a lot about Dallas. I've been praying for Dallas and I think we all need to pray for Dallas. And um, so I don't know him, but I feel like I know him now. Um, that's a great question, Christina. Were exorcisms something that the Pharisees would do? So I actually researched this this afternoon because I got this question earlier when I was doing another chosen discussion group and I couldn't find a definite answer. It seems like it's probably something the priests would do, whereas the Pharisees um, were a different were a different section of and we'll talk about the Pharisees tomorrow. We're going to have the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but it does not seem like something um, that the Pharisees would do normally, but we don't know that much about Jewish exorcisms. Um, they certainly happened, but um, like what I was reading about, they they reiterated this idea of like getting these different supplies and herbs like wormwood and hyssop. Um, that's what Nicodemus asked for. Um, but I didn't find in a cursory glance anything about Pharisees particularly doing exorcisms. Um, you're right. If something shows up that's anti-Catholic, it would have to be anti-biblical. Um, and you're right. I am holding my breath just for some of um, the interpretation. But, you know, you know what I mean. So thank you all for joining us. We're going to be back tomorrow. Um, and so this is the link. So I just put the link to Patreon in there if you want to support my work going forward. Um, and then that's the link for the live stream next week. So if you click that in the chat or sorry, not next week, tomorrow, we'll be back here at 3.30 tomorrow talking about season one, episode two. So that's the link. You can set a reminder and uh, join us 
tomorrow. And all of these are going to be archived on my YouTube, uh, YouTube page. So if you miss one, you can join us. And I'm pretty sure you can even see the live chat afterwards. So thanks so much for joining us. It was great. Um, and I will see you tomorrow.